folks, and welcome to Christ in Every Word, a podcast of the Concordia Bible Institute, housed on the beautiful campus of Concordia University, Wisconsin. This is your opportunity to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the sacred scriptures with me, Dr. Brian German, Associate Professor of Theology here at the University and the Director of the Concordia Bible Institute. We're making our way through the book of Genesis on the docket today, chapter 19, a longer chapter, a disturbing chapter. And yet, uh, in the midst of this, we will see both law and gospel as usual. God rescues Lot in chapter 19, and then we'll have the destruction of Sodom, and then an account with Lot and his daughters, all three of them. Wow. Kind of uh, hard to digest here. We've been through some marvelous narratives, creation of the world, Noah, Abram, the victory in chapter 14, and so on, the covenants, and it's just some great stuff. Uh, Lot is what? I guess if I had to summarize Lot, Lot is the tag-along. He's the sojourner in the midst of God's wonderful messianic promise through Abram. He's grafted in. He's, uh, I, I guess, I don't know, he's the Gentile that's um, tagged along now with the Jews, as it were, to use the, the New Testament lingo there. Lot, we saw in chapter 12, he's the nef- nephew of Abram. And, um, you know, even though the promise was for Abe, Lot, he goes along. In chapter 13, Lot gets some land, too. He's He's not the center of attention, and yet this the wonderful blessings of our Lord to Abe kind of spill over and uh, graft him in as well. Lot seems to understand some things, but he has um, also some misperceptions as well. And you're going to see that a lot here in chapter 19. So the two angels that we talked about in chapter 18, last podcast, the Lord and two angels, this whole three and one, one and three, three, one, one, three, we talked about. Um, those two angels, so after Abram intercedes for Sodom, well, that intercession is that intercession. That's wonderful. And yet the wickedness remains. And so the Lord is gracious and merciful, but at the same time, he will by no means clear the guilty. And that end times punishment is coming, of which Sodom is a picture. And here I just draw on language from the epistle of Second Peter, um, Jude and so on. Sodom is that picture of everlasting destruction that is coming in the end times. So God is merciful and he's slow, uh, not as we are slow, but wanting all to come to repentance. And yet the time has come. So the two angels come to Sodom and Lot's there at the gate. He sees them, meets them, bows himself with his face to the earth and says, my lords, please turn aside to your servant's house, spend the night and wash your feet then you can rise up early and go your way. Doesn't this sound familiar? This kind of sounds like Abe in the last chapter, doesn't it? Lot seems to mimic Abe, although to a much lesser extent. Lot seems to have some faith, although much weaker. He seems to to get the, the picture that he doesn't see the bigger picture, you know, that kind of thing. And as much as this, gonna, this is going to be kind of uh, gruesome as we go along um, and disturbing, like I said, the Lord's grace and mercy extends to such as these. Not everyone in the Christian church is like Abram. Let it be to me according to your word. Go, leave your family, your kindred, and he just goes. Not everybody is like that. Some are a little more like Mary. How will this be since I am a virgin? Some little, uh, you know, 
some back and forth there, some interaction, some and Peter even, you know, doubting and so on. We've got people of all stripes. Lot, I think, if you forget everything, I think he represents the other side of that spectrum. So Lot seems like Abe. He goes with Abe. He gets land like Abe. And yet um, he doesn't quite get it every step of the way. He lingers. We're going to see this. So the men say, no, we're going to stay in the town square. But he presses them. And so they stayed in Lot's house. He makes them a feast, bakes unleavened bread, and they ate. Okay, so Lot seems to be kind of, he's like Abe. And yet Lot has, as we saw in chapter 13, he has chosen the Garden of Eden in his eyes. He's looked at the land. He's looked at the material possession. He's looked at the stuff of the world, and he's attracted by it. And so he dwells by it. He dwells in it. And it and it takes him, like it took him in chapter 14, it takes him here. The men of the city, the men of Sodom, young and old, this is everybody. This is, I mean, you're... When you pick something that looks like, well, it looks like uh, Eden-ick in the eyes of the world, it will surround you, it will engulf you, it will captivate you, and bad things will happen. So they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you? By the way, I mean, this language of men we talked about in the last podcast, we have, is it, are these, it appears as three men. He looked, it looks like three men, but what in the world? I thought it was the Lord. You can go back to the last podcast for more on that. Bring the men that we may know them. And this is the language of sexual behavior, the language of, you know, Adam knowing Eve, his wife. So Lot goes to them and says, I beg you, do not do this. And then the, the other option is, is, is also extremely terrible. This is sad, uh, evil stuff. I have two daughters who haven't known any man. Let me bring them out to you. Do as them as you please. Uh, Only do not do anything to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they say, stand back. This fellow came to sojourn. He's become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So this is a terrible, terrible situation. Um, on the one hand, you might say, well, Lot is, you know, if he recognizes the the divine visitation here, then even family, you must be willing to give up as our Lord himself talks about, right? Even if you're, I mean, the language of Luke is even hate, right? If anyone's not willing to hate even his father, mother, son, daughters, and so on, for my sake, he's not worthy to be my my disciple. And so on the one hand, you can see that, okay, this is a terrible terrible situation and yet um take they our our wife goods fame child and life you know this kind of you have to be willing to give these things up and yet at the same time this is a terrible i mean that's it should strike you i have students or whoever that they hear this and they think that's absolutely atrocious and that's the point it should be this is this is how wicked uh the situation is that lot has has found himself in this is the other option that he presents. I mean, it can't be any worse, really. I mean, what is worse than this? This is terrible. And so that also, I mean, that's, but that's, again, part of the point. This is the very mess uh, from which our Lord delivers us. Out of the depths I've cried to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Be attentive to my plea for mercy. This is a, you are now in between evil and evil, and you've chosen evil. 
So they're hard pressed and the men then reach out. They bring him. I mean, this is the thing. Lot is not even able to do this himself, but the men uh, reach out. The, uh, the men kind of save Lot here. And they strike with blindness the men who are at the entrance of the house, both small and great. I mean, blindness, think about this, you know, the blindness of the Pharisees, the blindness, the spiritual blindness of Israel in Isaiah 42. This is the, the blindness of the wicked world. They strike them and give them their due reward. You are blind. You want blind. We will give you blind. And so it's the Romans, one, receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So they wore themselves out groping for the door. It will destroy you. You want that wicked path? And in Romans 1, it's what? It's, and Paul brings up homosexuality, doing things contrary to nature, and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error, letting that thing, letting uh, many of the many ways that the Lord can, can uh, curb and, and afflict sin, one of them is have it your way, and there are inherent consequences. They wore themselves out groping for the door. And in, in Romans 1, it's they received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here? Sons and So now we, that situation's okay. Now anybody else, bring them out. I mean, this is the thing about it is the end times judgment is coming. Lot has been mercifully spared out of a super terrible situation. And now the men say, do you have anybody else here? Preach the gospel. Anyone else? Even right now you could say, well, Sodom, that's it. We're blasting this place. But even then, the Lord is patient, patient enough to say, is there anyone else? We are about to destroy this place. I mean, just when you thought, no, this is the end. Look at the 6 o'clock news. This is the actual, I mean, this is terrible. Do you see what the government is allowing or doing, you know, the people of our culture are doing? This is the end. No, still not. We are not about. We are about to destroy this place, verse 13. It's great, the outcry before the Lord, verse 13. He sent us to destroy it, but... Still there is some time for the preaching of God's word, for the administration of his sacraments in the Christian church of all times and places. Right now, today, is the day of salvation, Paul would say. So Lot goes out and says to his sons-in-law, who are to marry his daughters, up, get out of this place, the Lord's about to destroy this. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. And so even then there's this, all right, now you think, well, just blast it. Now, what happens? Still more time is allotted. Still more patience and endurance on the part of the Lord. In fact, even when it affects Lot himself. This is like the preacher who, I mean, yeah, you preach and preach and preach, and then the effects seem to be null and void. Nothing happens. And Lot himself is affected by this. Morning comes around. The angels, now notice the narrator, Moses, angels, urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife, your daughters, lest you be swept away. And he lingers. Lot himself was the preacher for his for his household, for others. Hey, get out of here. And then what? He seems to be jesting, and it affects his faith too. So he starts to sleep, as it were. Could you not stay awake for one hour? Our Lord asks his disciples. So Lot himself is affected by this lethargy, this you know negligence the seeming ineffectiveness of of preaching and teaching. So he himself lingers. 
And then you think, okay, well, now destroy it. Everybody had their two, three chances. Everybody's done. And yet the men seized him, verse 16, and his wife and his daughter. Everybody, I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Ghost, through his called and ordained servants of angelic character, has have seized me by the hand, called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gift, sanctified, have been merciful, brought me out of sin, death, and the devil, sets them outside the city of this world that is totally evil and evil and wicked and adulterous. And they brought him out and said, Escape for your life. Do not look back. Once your hand is to the plow, keep pressing. Do not look back. Go to the hills, most especially the holy hill of the Lord, the hill of Golgotha, the hill of Zion, the heavenly hill of Jerusalem, the safe haven where the 144,000 gather on high ground while the beast roams around sea and, and sand. Get to the safe ground, the high safe haven. Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords. Behold, your servant has found favor in your sight. You have shown me great kindness in saving my life, but I cannot escape to the hills lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, the city is this city is near enough. It's a little one. Let me escape there. My life will be saved. Lot, how many more doubts, how many more um, terrible situations. They grant them that favor. I mean, this is the thing about Lot. He seems Abrahamic. He seems like he confesses the faith, and yet this is just one uh, misstep after another. What a sloppy mess. And yet in Lot, I mean, they give him that, they, you know, escape there, go ahead. I can't do anything until you arrive there. Like, I, okay, Lot, 18 times now we've gone through this, but I still am not going to do anything until I have complete, completed the good work that I have begun in you, Lot. No matter how bad it gets, Lot. Um, he that started this good baptismal work and you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. And so I can't do anything until you arrive there, Lot, so get moving. This is, of course, our situation as well. By nature, children of wrath, um, sinful from conception on, born in sin, out of the depths. The situation of Lot is also the situation of everybody of that Abrahamic faith, sons of Abe who confess Christ as Savior, drawn out of the evilness of sin, death, and the devil. Lot's a great picture of that as we move along. For such, I mean, in Lot, you see a picture of the children of Abraham, really. All right, it's break time. We're going to talk about the destruction here. Pillar of salt, and also uh, Lot and his daughters, Lots more to talk about. We'll be right back. We'll be back in just a moment to the Concordia Bible Institute podcast. In the meantime, I'd like to have you consider this question. What is most important in higher education? How do you prioritize all the knowledge to be gained at an institution of higher learning? Concordia University, Wisconsin, located on the shores of Lake Michigan in Mequon, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee, is an institution that is committed to excellence in learning but at the same time realizes that excellence in itself is insufficient without development in vocation. We believe that God works through our vocations, our callings, in order to serve the needs of those around us. 
The mission statement of Concordia University puts it this way, Concordia University, Wisconsin is a Lutheran higher education community committed to helping students develop in mind, body, and spirit for service to Christ in the church and the world. You can learn more about the over 70 programs offered at Concordia by visiting the website, www.cuw.edu. And if you're benefiting from our Christ in Every Word podcasts, I encourage you to support this ministry by mentioning it to others and by offering your monetary support. Please consider supporting the Concordia Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on the Contribute page. And now, back to the podcast. Alrighty there, folks. We are back with our study of Genesis chapter 19, Lot and the visitors and the terrible evil, the aftermath. Um, We are getting a clear picture here of this grace and mercy for God's people. Abe hasn't been mentioned yet, but he will here in a very interesting way when this destruction of Sodom is recounted here in these next few verses. So um, the name of the place is Zoar, a Hebrew word meaning little, I guess. Um, That's what Lot said. It's a small place. It's, I mean, it's just that all the odds are against him, and yet the Lord, uh, you know, the one sheep out of the hundred that goes astray and all of these things, the Lord has sought him out. From all these messes, the tiniest, most unexpected places and ways, and he still grafts him in. The sun rises up, verse 23, on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. So this is kind of like, I don't know, the end is here. The sun of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings, and yet the sun, on the other hand, will scorch with destruction. You can read about that in Revelation quite a bit. Um, on the other side of things. So then when that happened, when the time had come, the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire. Again, this is revelation kind of language. Fire and sulfur from the Lord out of heaven. Do you notice that, you know, the double mention there of the Lord? Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah fire and sulfur, (laughs) sulfur and fire from the Lord. Out of heaven. Now, doesn't that seem kind of redundant? Luther and many others earlier uh, interpreters were all over this. They said this is a clear example of the Lord working through the person who is also the Lord, his son, in order to do this. When God rains down his wrath and mercy both, the Lord works through our Lord. <laughs> God's one and only son. Think Psalm 110, the Lord says to my Lord. Here's the, the Lord reigns on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord. Wait, the Lord, the Lord, who is this? And this is whether wrath or in mercy, the Lord does what he does through our Lord, namely the Lord's son. And he overthrew those cities, all the valley, all the inhabitants of the cities, what grew on the ground even. This is a a creation destruction. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. I think, I mean, it's one thing, well, I'll just destroy the inhabitants with a plague or something, but all the, you know, the the, uh, cattle and the 
whatever else, the buildings, they can all stay. No, it's, this is a complete and total destruction. It affects even the stuff of the ground, plants, inanimate matter. We're talking new heaven and new earth, Isaiah 65 kind of reality. But Lot's wife behind him. So Lot's, you know, they're, you got to don't look back and move forward. Put your hand on the plow. Keep going. Confess the one true faith. She's behind him. Too close to all of this still. And this is an example of uh, instead of putting your hand to the plow and keep pushing forward, looking back and saying, there's something there still for me. And she becomes a pillar of salt. Kind of a well-known incident, I guess. Pillar of salt. I mean, on the one hand, she's a pillar. In Revelation, our Lord promises to make you a pillar in the temple, the everlasting structure there. Uh, all founded on the cornerstone of Christ, built on the foundation laid by the prophets and apostles and so on. This is a pillar of salt, uh, a pillar that reminds um, one of the dangers of looking back once having tasted the heavenly gift. Think Hebrews 6 that's been bestowed upon us. How can you be restored to repentance after you spurn that kind of thing? So she turns into this pillar, this witness of what happens when uh, salt loses its saltiness, I guess you could say. What kind of salt is this? I mean, have salt in yourselves. You season all the sacrifices with salt and have salt in yourselves and so on. And yet this is a witness to the other kind of salt, the deadness, the saltiness of the salt sea where she stands as a witness, death and, I mean, what grows over there? She's by the salt sea, Sodom, Gomorrah, this is the dead sea, the salt sea of chapter 14 area, a witness to what is headed your way when we look, when we turn from the true faith and, and look back. Abram goes early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. This is exactly where the intercession takes place. And yet, even after that intercession, even after that standing before the Lord and the granting of more time, there will come an end times. There will be this destruction, this, on the one hand, resurrection of the just and the resurrection of the unjust to everlasting blessing or torment. And so he goes there and sees, looks toward the land of the valley, looks, behold, the smoke of the land goes up like a smoke of a furnace. So it was when God destroyed the cities of the valley. So there is this destruction. Yet listen to this. He remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst. Abram's intercession may be, okay, may, that's, there will come a time where God's called and ordained servants no longer offer up intercessions in this temporal world. The end times will arrive. And yet at the same time, he remembered, even in the midst of that, he remembered Abe, the intercessions of Abe, were remembered in order to send Lot out of the midst of this overthrow when he over, over when he overthrew when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. Abe's intercession extended our Lord's mercy and grace upon Lot himself. All this Lot lingering and you know he seemed to be jesting and taking forever. And what about this? And I just got to tie my shoe and I have to go potty. <laughs> the children of faith act in the same way. What about this? What about that? Abe's intercession 
was efficacious all the same. It had this effect. God remembers that prayer all the same, even though it seems like, well, you know, that's that. Yeah, there was, there is a time, and the end times will come, and yet God remembers that prayer all the same. So this whole end times destruction is bracketed by the fact that the Lord desires not the death of the wicked, but that he turns from his evil ways and repents. I have no delight in the death of anybody in Sodom and Gomorrah. Would that they would turn from their evil ways and live. The Lord desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. This whole thing is bracketed by Abram's intercession. Everything our Lord does is bracketed by our high priest interceding for us in heavenly places. That's what our Lord is focusing on. Wanting all to come to repentance, hearing the prayers of Christ our high priest. Begging for mercy to bring about repentance. Grace upon those caught up in any sort of waywardness. And that's what brackets this account as well. That's how we can see the Christian faith in this. Finally, Lot and his daughters. Oh my. Lot goes up out of this town. He lives in the hills. Notice the hills weren't good enough last time, Lot. Now he goes and lives with his two daughters. For he was afraid to live in Zoar. He's just always on the move and the fear. You know, have you, oh, you of little faith. When the Son of Man comes, will he even find faith? So he lives with his two daughters. Okay, now, before we had uh, um, sons-in-laws, okay, so he went out and says to his sons-in-law, now we have this, the daughters, okay, and so he lives there in a cave. That, I mean, this is kind of like, is this it? I mean, this is kind of, I don't know. Do they think this is it? This is the end where nobody's left? I mean, we're the last hope of God's people, his promises, and so on, because they behave that way. They act as if, you know what, um, Sarah had the thing with Hagar, right? Go in, because I don't know, I'm not going to have any kids. There's Abe, too, you know, I continue childless and so on. Well, here we have this sort of like, but this isn't, this is an odd, this is with, you know, father and daughter, so there's a, I mean, this is obviously incense, and this is, oh man, it was disturbing before, it's still disturbing now. This is, even after all that mess, the destruction, now we have Lot and his daughters. The firstborn says to the younger, our father's old, there's not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of all the earth. Let's make our father drink wine, we'll lie with him, so that we preserve offspring for our father. They're acting like this is it. This is the end, and it's in our hands, and this is what we're going to do. Lot being drunk kind of reminds us of Noah, of course, planting this vent. This seems to be, there's there are echoes here of like, this is the worst of the worst. We have the go into my servant or go into my, you know, the daughter, or we're going to arrange this for our father, the drunkenness. The sleep, you know, Adam is asleep, Abe is asleep, Noah is asleep. All this kind of the darkness of sleep, um, sexual perversions here, this incest, um, the wine, the we better take this matter into our own hands. We're losing faith that the Lord will, what, preserve his humanity, preserve his promises through Uncle Abe. That lot seems to be confessing, albeit quite dimly, not very robustly at all. So they made their father drink wine. The firstborn lays with her father. He didn't know. 
The next day, similar situation. The firstborn says, I lay last night with my father. Again, the firstborn's orchestrating all this stuff. You do it now. You go into him. They made Lot do it again. The younger lays with him. He didn't know. Both the daughters became pregnant. One's the father of, one's the, or the, the, the kids will be the father of uh, the Moabites. And the younger will be the father of the Ammonites. Whoa. So on the one hand, okay, well, this is just super odd. And yet at the same time, even this mess, this disturbing, disgusting mess, the Lord will work through in order to accomplish his purposes of salvation. How's that? Well, the Amorites, we heard about the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. The Lord is gracious and merciful, wanting them to come to repentance, um, hearing prayers from our high priest that they would hear the word as preached by God's high priest, Abe, Noah, and so on throughout the book of Genesis before the destru- before they have their destruction. Hear about Lot, too, now. You'll have many years between this and the destruction of those Ammonites people, uh, Canaanites, eventually they'll be referred to as. And Okay, so there's there's that element. There's also the fact that even, well, Moabites also, they might be a real thorn in the side, and yet the Lord works through them for the sake of his people, and even through them for his very messianic promise through Abe. Think about that. Who's a Moabite? Well, Ruth comes to mind. Without Ruth, will we have the genealogy for David? And without David, will we have great David's greater son? So as much as this whole chapter is one big mess and is evil and it is disturbing, this is the very kind of stuff that not only our Lord pulls us out of by his grace and mercy, he also jumps into this, as it were, in his incarnation, in his only begotten son, into the depths of all of this, to assume all of this into himself, and to even work through this, the the deepest and darkest, the worst evil, in order to accomplish the good purposes that he has in mind, to fulfill all of his promises, for all of them find their yes and amen in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whoa, a little bit different this time, wouldn't it? Chapter 19, but you know what? This is also a rich window into Christ in every word, as our tagline suggests. That's our mission. The mission of the Concordia Bible Institute is to provide Christ-centered Bible instruction from distinguished experts who teach Christ in every word of the Old and New Testaments to strengthen faith and spread belief in the one true God. Again, if you benefit from this podcast series, I encourage you to consider supporting the Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on our Contribute page. Until next time, my friends, I'm Dr. Brian German, wishing you all God's blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.